0: So with regards to the potential of Bonix staying at Oregon for another year, what impact could the recent transfer portal edition or maybe other ones have on that? Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast. Now we're your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. Please continue to like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch this show. Big thank you to everybody out there who has done so already. Today's episode is brought to you by Omaha Steaks, a gift from. The heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing you're ordering the very best. Visit omastakes.com, use promo code on at checkout to get that extra $30 off your order. Yesterday I talked about what Bo Nix is thinking about right now, or maybe he's already thought of it. You know, we don't know at this point in time. But I think another reasonable question to ask is, does adding a player like Treshawn Holden, Increase the likelihood that Bo Nix is going to stick around for his final year of eligibility in college and play for the Ducks. I don't think it can hurt, but I really doubt that it is a deciding factor. Because when you look at what Bo Nix had this year at Oregon and what allowed him to succeed, Kenny Dillingham was a part of that. There's going to be a new offensive coordinator. If I were Bo Nix, that would be a greater determining factor of whether or not I decide to come back to the Ducks than the specific players that I will be throwing the ball to. Because though Oregon had you know, some injuries and some reshuffling and whatnot, for the most part, when you watched, and this is not you know, a, a shot at Treshaun Holden at all, I think he can be a really good player. I said yesterday on the show, he figures to be a guy who will be an immediate starter. But when you watched Bo Nix this year and what allowed him to succeed and what he was doing very well within the structure of the offense or outside the structure of the offense, did it ever feel at any point in time like he was short on weapons? Probably not. In fact... I can say with confidence, definitively not because when Dante Thornton is your, I don't know, fourth best wide receiver and maybe sixth best receiving target for the season because he'd throw in T Ferg and either of the other two tight ends that Bonix got the ball to plus the running backs as well. Heck, he could have been seventh when a guy of that caliber who he had some chemistry with and hit a lot of deep shots too throughout this year was not even in the top five of your receivers. You can look at the offense in addition to how they perform and say, yeah, they've got plenty of weapons and going into next year, they're going to have plenty of weapons again, even without Maliki Madabao still got T Ferg, still got Cam McCormick somehow, some way, and you still got Patrick Herbert at tight end. You've got Kenyon Sadiq coming in. You've got jury on Dickey coming in. Now you've got Treshawn Holden coming over from Alabama. I think it's, A worthwhile thought to say, is that an incentive for Bo Nix to stay? But he did such a great job all season long. And I talked about it extensively here on the show because it continued to be a theme for the Oregon offense in a positive way. He was facilitating the ball in a vintage Rajon Rondo-like manner. It didn't matter who was open. He was just going to throw it to whoever was open wherever the ball needed to go. Whoever needed to get the ball on that play, didn't matter how many catches he'd had, didn't matter who his favorite target was, he was putting the ball wherever it needed to be. So, I like the addition of Treshawn Holden a lot, no matter who is playing quarterback next year. And I certainly hope it is Bonex. I I certainly hope that it is Bonex. But, if you're talking about what's going to entice him to stay... I think the offensive coordinator that he seemingly came to Oregon with is a more influential factor in that decision for Bo than one specific wide receiver. Doesn't mean TreShaun Holden couldn't be a really great addition. Doesn't mean they couldn't make some explosive plays together. I think they really could because he brings a lot to the table. Size, solid speed. He's a big physical target. I think he could be a red zone guy. And Oregon had some red zone woes this year. And I think you look at a guy like Treshawn Holden, and whether or not he'd be ready as a true freshman, I don't know. But down the line, I think Kenyon Sadiq has this sort of potential. He's the sort of guy that you can throw a one-on-one fade to. That kind of hybrid, wide receiver, tight end position. And Holden is a pure wide receiver, but he's kind of big enough to be a tight end. I, I said on yesterday's show, for those of you who didn't listen or watch, he reminds me a lot of Juwan Johnson. I look at him, I see Jawan Johnson. He is a receiver of the college ranks. He's a big-bodied outside receiver who you can throw fades to, who can use that size and physicality to be good after the catch because he does have good speed. But I could see him making the move to you know, a little bit more of a small ball tight end at the next level. And Jawan Johnson has done that very successfully with the New Orleans Saints. But I don't think that's what is driving the the bus for Bo, so to speak, on what's going to make his decision. I think the hire of Will Stein is a good one. And I think he has the potential because of what his offensive philosophy is. As long as he's able to build a, a relationship with Bo in the time that, you know, he's spoken to him. I know he went out to see Dante Moore, but I'd have a hard time believing that Will Stein has not picked up the phone and talk to Bo Nix at some point in time about what he wants to bring to the table offensively. I do think that that particular hire could be appealing for a guy like Bo Nix, who is considering whether or not his draft stock is sufficient to make him you know, an early to mid-round NFL draft pick. I don't know if he could do that because he had three years at Auburn, and people remember that sort of stuff, but... With the army has the mobility he has and the way he played this year, if he came back and had another great season, and it looks like Will Stein's offense caters very heavily to a quarterback throwing the football early and often, then yeah, I think that could be someone who raises draft stock. So I think that's, you know, a more likely determining factor on whether or not he comes back to Oregon than one player in particular. But if you're looking at a higher that is going to lure him back, a guy who looks like he throws the ball closer to 60% of the time than running it 60% of the time, may very well be what Bo Nix is looking for. And we know he's going to have plenty of weapons. He's already got chemistry with the running backs, with Chris Hudson, with Troy Franklin, the tight ends. You add some new weapons in there, there's no reason to think that it wouldn't be a seamless transition. I think the question that we have to ask ourselves is, does Bo Nix... Feel confident enough in that offensive vision and what Will Stein brings to the table to think it will allow him to maximize his potential for next season and beyond. Can he continue to develop in a way that he feels like he needs to in order to put himself in the best position to get to the NFL draft? That is an interesting question. There's another interesting question that one of you asked me about Bo Nix, which I will answer after I answer your question this season of what are you going to get someone for Christmas? The answer, Omaha Steaks. And Omaha Steaks has got an amazing deal. They have cut prices 50%. 5-0, Five zero, not one five percent, five zero percent site wide, to make you the gift-giving hero you always wanted to be. The holidays are here. Achieve gifting greatness when you give the gift of perfectly aged, tender and delicious Omaha steaks. They've put together a delicious selection of various gift packages to make shopping for the love for your loved ones nice and easy. Go to omahasteaks.com and take advantage of 50% off site wide. Plus, use the code LockedOn at checkout to get an additional $40 off your order. That's code locked on it. Check out at, at OmahaStakes.com to get that extra forty dollars, forty dollars off your order. Minimum order may be required. Before I get into that mailbag question that I teased on the other side of the break, I uh, would like to bid a fond and heartfelt farewell to Mike Leach, who I think we all respect and admire as Duck fans, and we should because. Washington State, I'm pretty sure, had a three-year run where they beat the Ducks in consecutive seasons. Can you imagine saying that in 2010 with those Washington State teams? Yeah, this program is going to beat Oregon three years in a row. Guy was a remarkable football coach. He was a really great guy by, by all accounts of everybody who knew him. And I never had the chance to talk to him or meet him or interview him which sucks because he is a one-of-a-kind quote generator. And the the stories he would tell or the things he would say are just so legendary in the college football space that it is worthy of acknowledgement. And if you want to hear a, a longer, longer tribute to that great, great icon of college football, go check out today's episode of Locked on Pac-12 because I uh, talked for eh, like 15, 16 minutes or so about Mike Leach and what made him so special to the sport but I I think we should all be in that space of acknowledging what he brought as a coach what he brought as a man and what he brought as an entertainer to to college football and he was one of a kind forever and always and uh, was really really saddened to hear of uh, his passing so rest easy coach Tom Somers asks via the YouTube comments, which is one of the three ways you get a question answered here on the show, Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks or the YouTube comments, which I monitor daily. Tom Somers asks, does Dan Lanning know if Bo Nix is staying or not? Well, this may surprise you. I haven't spoken to Dan. And even if I had spoken to Dan, the man, there is a roughly negative 10% chance that he would divulge. That information at this point in time, given what we know about him and given where the situation is with regards to Oregon and the transfer portal and the offensive coordinator and Bo Nix and the bowl game and everything like that. Right now, looks like Bo Nix is going to play in the Holiday Bowl, which would be a good sign to indicate he'd be back next year. I'm not quite sold. I I need a little bit more on, on that front. But, internally... It is very reasonable to assume that Dan Lanning is aware of whether or not Bo Nix knows if he's going to come back or not. Now, the thing you have to consider here, right, because Oregon has added a couple transfer portal additions. There will be more. More players will probably leave after the bowl game. We'll bring in more players. This window is open until January the 18th. Bo Nix might not know 100% either way. If he's going to go to the NFL after this year or if he's going to come back to Oregon. I do suspect that whatever he is thinking, he is communicating with his head coach. And I'd have a hard time believing. I don't think Landing is texting him every five minutes. Hey, have you made a decision? Hey, have you made a decision? Um, which reminds me of a John Mullaney bit talking about Bill Clinton. He used to apparently stand outside the library and say, hey, can I walk you home? Hey, can I walk you home? Um, I can do a better Bill Clinton than that, but I'll save it for another day because that was probably too much of it already. So I imagine that those conversations continue to take place, and much like the Kenny Dillingham move, where Lanning was ready to pounce into action. I I mean, I was talking about potential candidates on, I think it was a Wednesday show. And then on that Tuesday show of the following week, I was talking about Will Stein. So, Even though we don't know and not everything is public and this coaching staff has kept a lot of things ranging from injuries to transfers and all that sort of stuff very close to the chest, which is fine. That's, you know, I think a perfectly valid way and frankly, a smart way in a number of ways to run an organization like a college football program or or, excuse me, a program. I think Lanning knows, but Bo might not know. But Lanning is going to have the information likely before we do. So I would not be worried. I don't know if this is the spirit in which you're asking the question here, Tom. But I would not be concerned, given how the offensive coordinator hire played out and the departure of Kenny Dillingham and how quickly that move was made, that Oregon would get caught flat-footed here. And and I I think, too, if you're Dan Lanning, let's say Bo doesn't know. And you know. that Bo Bo doesn't know. You're assessing transfer quarterbacks because you want to be prepared. And you probably had an inclination with Kenny Dillingham that he's probably going to leave, get the Arizona State job and whatnot. And then when it happened, he was ready to go through the candidates, make final interviews, and ultimately pulls the trigger on Will Stein. I expect the same situation to take place here because nothing about the way the season went or the way coach and player dynamics have played out would indicate that it's something that Bo would be really keen on keeping from his head coach. I, I think he'd want to be open with him about it. That's speculative on my part, but that's kind of my instinct on it because I have no reason to suspect otherwise. I have no evidence to suspect that Bo is just you know, keeping this in the dark and not texting Lanning back or not talking to him about it or asking him questions or anything like that. But regardless of what Bo is planning to do, landing in that staff, Will Stein included, you have to be evaluating the quarterback position in the transfer portal. That should 100% be a priority and something that they are doing right now. Because if Bo does decide, comes to you and says, Holiday Bowl is going to be my last game, or I'm going to opt out of the bowl game to get ready for the NFL draft, then you have to be able to act quickly because you don't know how long guys don't stay in the portal for very long, especially quarterbacks. And there's some solid names out there. Talked about DJU, Spencer Sanders is in the portal, uh, Keaton Slovis is in the portal, JT Daniels is in the portal. I wouldn't want either of those two guys. Spencer Sanders, I would be open to. That's an experienced quarterback. I think he'd be a little bit like Bo Nix, but comes in with a little bit less uh, a checkered of a career from an inconsistency standpoint. But I, I think that they're evaluating what their options are at that position because you're trying to keep Dante Moore committed whether or not you bring in a transfer or not. But given what we've seen from Ty Thompson, you can't bank on either Ty Thompson or Dante Moore being ready next year. It's just like that that's not a viable plan forward. So whatever Bo ends up deciding, I trust Dan and the staff to be ready for it. Another question comes in from uh, my guy Raymond on YouTube with the portal opportunity arising again after spring practice, which is true. There are two windows now that you can enter the transfer portal officially. Guys can you know, leave the program and declare they're going to be in the portal without actually being in the portal officially as seven McGee did uh, during this year, or Dante Thornton announced a few days before it opened and and such Um, that portal, that window. I don't remember the dates in the spring. He's right that it's around spring football, but this one opened December 5th. It'll close on January 18th. What do you expect of portal transfers now for the ducks? Specifically, I imagine taking a chance on recruits of questionable quality fit, but great athletic prowess. I'd certainly rather have athletic prowess than academic prowess. Um, sorry, that word is just forever ingrained in my mind about that whole ordeal. I like waiting for the spring portal before pushing to complete filling holes on our team. This is a really interesting thought. This allows a pause until signing day is complete and we have our high school recruits. The spring portal, we could get the best experienced players at that time while hanging on to our young recruits that may need more coaching in order to be ready for starting time. I hope you are well soon. I noticed Max Torres also has a frog in his throat recently. Occupational hazard question mark. Well, I didn't know that I had a frog in my throat recently. Uh, Yesterday, I think I didn't have the right audio input selected for the mic that's why it sounded a little bit different which is a complete and total L on my part but um boy there's a lot to unpack in, <laughs> in that in that question kind of you know four or five questions or thoughts within one but that's okay because I, I love going through this sort of stuff uh generally speaking the first part what do you expect of portal transfers now for the Ducks whether it's Justin Jacobs or Treshawn Holden I think every guy the Ducks bring in, in the portal. You're going to expect to be, if not a starter, a high level contributor. It's not a place where you go to get someone for development. Does't mean you only are seeking guys that you know, like in the old days of the transfer portal, basically, you only have them for for one year because they're grad transfers, right? You're not going to ignore guys who have multiple years of eligibility, but that's not why you're making the moves. You're making moves in the transfer portal because you see a need on your roster. And maybe you have guys who are talented enough to fill that role one day, but they aren't ready yet. And so you need someone who can slide in there right now, maybe mentor them a a little bit and give young guys a season or two to really get their feet under them. So I think that's what they are looking for. As for unpacking the rest of the question. I will do that after I tell you about my friends over at Bet Online, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to college bowl season to basketball, the World Cup. There's so much going on, and we've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at Bet Online as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online is where the game starts. All right, let's keep unpacking this uh, four-parter here from, from Raymond. Uh, specifically, I imagine taking a chance on recruits of questionable quality fit but great athletic prowess. I would not be keen on those sorts of additions because of what I just mentioned a moment ago. You're going to the portal to fill a need and you're typically going for plug-and-play guys. I don't see this staff or really any staff in college football going after players that they don't think are going to come in and play right away. There may be players who fall into both categories. They come in and play right away, but they're a little raw and underdeveloped and you're taking a chance on their athletic ability. You know, Justin Flo maybe falls into that category for whoever adds him in the transfer portal, but I don't think that the majority of transfers—I don't think that's what Oregon should be doing either—to continue to develop the program as best they can should be looking at guys who, well, you know, let's take a flyer and let's try and develop. That's what you're doing at the high school ranks, right? You bring guys in, and it's much more understood that those guys are willing to stay on the roster for a couple of years and work on their development until they are ready to play. Transfer portal guys, they want to come in and play right away. That's why they're leaving their previous school. So I look at a guy like Justin Jacobs and I say, because of injuries, he wasn't able to maybe fully maximize his potential. This was supposed to be kind of his breakout season at Iowa. And he figures to be someone who will fill an inside linebacker position for the Ducks in 2023. He's also someone who's got great athletic prowess, but you're not taking a chance on developing a young, inexperienced player. You want a guy who you know can come in and, and do what you need him to right away. This next thought, though, is a really interesting one. I like waiting for the spring portal before pushing to complete filling the holes on our team. This allows a pause until signing day is complete and we have our high school recruits. The spring portal, we could get the best experienced players at that time while hanging on to our young recruits that may need more coaching in order to be ready for starting time. So this is going to be a really tricky balance for every coaching staff in Oregon's is no different. When do you want to add players Because you got to strike the iron while it's hot. And when do you want to wait? Because you think more could come available. And I think that comes in the assessment phase. So for linebackers, for instance, Mm -hmm. this year, Harrison Taggart and Devin Jackson, I believe they redshirted, right? as, As true freshmen this season. So they'll be redshirt freshmen going into 2023. But let's say one of them proves himself capable enough to be a starting caliber linebacker. Justin Jacobs would start alongside him, in theory. And Keith Brown would be in the mix. But do you want to have another body out there? Probably. I mean, Oregon played a lot of different linebackers this year. Noah Sewell, Justin Flo, Jeffrey Bassa, Keith Brown, Jackson LaDuke got out there. That's five guys. And I might be missing one or two. You, You don't want to be just top heavy when it comes to your roster so I think they're evaluating guys like that who are young and are waiting for their chance to be starters and regular contributors to the team on either side of the ball and I do think you should leave some holes open but it, it it's position by position it really is because some position groups you can afford to see how guys develop and then maybe you know determine if you need to add one or more portal guys to bring in an immediate impact player. I think cornerback falls into this position because Triquez Bridges got better as the season went on. Does he keep doing that? Does he show that growth? Is he a solidified starting corner? Might need to wait until spring football to know that. What about Dante Manning and Jaleel Florence? Both guys with a lot of potential. Dante Manning, I think has shown glimpses of that potential we saw of him coming out of high school. Hasn't put it all the way together, but played a pretty hefty amount this year. What about Jalil Tucker? He didn't play this season. What about Jalil Florence? I liked what I saw from Jalil Florence a lot this year. I think he could be potentially our best man-to-man cover corner in 2023 as the roster stands right now. But the staff may look at that position group and think about a player like that. And say, do we want that to be the guy that we rely on? That's a determination they have to make at the time. But I do agree with what what you said in there. I don't think all of the needs that Oregon potentially needs to fill in the transfer portal will get filled in this first window. I think they will leave the door open somewhat. You also have to account for guys who may leave the program after spring practice because they see where they're falling on the depth chart. But I don't think... Oregon's roster is going to be totally set and complete going into spring practice. We'll have a great idea and you know, I'm really excited for the spring game already to see a number of things, not just Will Stein's offense, but other players as well. We also have a bowl game in a couple of weeks and I'm, and I'm stoked for that too. But I think when you look at the number of different ways this can play out, I don't think you need to front load. I don't think there's that much of an advantage to front loading. You have to assess your needs and say, okay, this is more immediate because we know that that's going to be a position of need going into spring ball where other position groups like offensive line, maybe you could say we might have enough guys to where we don't need to make a transfer portal addition there and we can move in a different direction. Great question. Keep them coming. Twitter at smalls underscore 55 or at locked on ducks. You can always hop in the YouTube comments. I'm active on there. Love talking to all of you duck fans. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.